Well, good morning. Uh, so glad to have you guys here with us here at Liberty, as well as those of you all that will be joining us online at a later time. Uh, I'm so proud of you guys for making a priority uh, to come and to learn and to listen and to grow. Uh, our culture sometimes doesn't value this time on Sundays uh, like I think it should. And so I appreciate that you guys are here with us today and you're able to experience this. And hopefully you'll walk away from here uh, better informed, able to respond in some way, form, or fashion. Uh, my name is Corey, uh, and I am one of 27 people who actually moved up here from Arizona to be a part of this thing, this, this church plant, and really what we feel is, is more of a church movement. And I wanted to give you guys just a little bit of background on myself. For those of you all that don't know me, I uh, originally grew up in Kentucky. So if you can identify a sweet southern accent, that's where it's from, all right? I uh, met my wife in Cincinnati, where we actually both graduated from Cincinnati Bible College with a, with a ministry degree. While we were there, we had an opportunity to help plant a church in inner city Cincinnati and loved that opportunity uh, until God actually called us to, to move out to Arizona. And for the last 11 and a half past years, we have been in Arizona at Central Christian Church there. The majority of my time there has been a campus pastor at two different locations. Uh, and that's actually where I got a chance to, to meet and know Aaron Pennington uh, and uh, just got to know this guy and really love uh, what he is doing, what he is about. Uh, not only that, I, I so appreciate the vision that God has given him for this church. So much so that, that as we started pondering this and praying through it, God called myself and my family and three kids uh, up here to be a part of this church plant together with you guys. And so my wife and I uh, moved up here about two months ago, and we were loving Colorado, still getting uh, involved here and figuring things out a little bit. Um, but uh, my role here specifically at Trace is I'll be a teaching pastor along with Aaron, so I'll be helping prepare our messages on a weekly basis and on occasion. Uh, they'll give me a microphone, I'll have an opportunity to do this. Uh, in addition to that, I'm also the next generation pastor. And so I oversee birth through, uh, through senior year, but specifically I'll be... Uh, directly involved with our youth group, uh, 6th grade through 12th grade, and so excited about what's already happening there. As a matter of fact, this past week at my house, we had a gathering from 6 to 8 on Wednesday, and we had 13 kids that were involved in that already, which is such a cool thing for a church that's just now getting started. So if you have kids that are that age group, make sure you look me up and talk with me. I would love to help get those kids connected. Well, Aaron introduced us to this wonderful thing called a screen last week, and I'm going to uh, try to make sure that this is on and ready to go. Um, and it's not operating again. You all give me just a minute here, and we'll make sure that we have this operation. Somebody sing a song for me. Oh, there we go. All right. Now let's see if that clicker actually works. Ah, all right. We're, we're in business. Okay, very good. Aaron uh, talked to us last week about the importance of culture, okay? Uh, every organization, uh, every church, every family, in fact, uh, has a culture of its own that actually determines how you get to the destination that you have chosen for you. It's, it's how you get to your mission. And, and I would argue that next to clarity, this idea of culture, the kind of environment that you create, is, is the next most important thing to actually helping you achieve your mission, so with this in mind, uh, Aaron and I and some others created a series for us to go through in these preview gatherings uh, called uh, Building Culture. And so we're going to take a look at what, uh, what we want to establish as the environments that we would create here. 
Now, last week, Aaron introduced you to this. You'll hear this on a regular basis. The one thing, each message that we have will have one thing that we want you to capture as you walk away from here. This particular one thing is for the entire series that we're going through in building a culture, and this is what it is. A culture will be made at Trace, so let's own it and create it together. Okay, intentionally or unintentionally, we're going to create an environment that is our church. Uh, Now, we have the opportunity to be proactive about that, and that's what we want to do with you guys in these three weeks as we're talking about it. And you'll hear these things reverberated at at multiple different levels. Well, as our leadership processed through what we felt were the most important values for us to, to kind of put at the highest level, we really came up with five things, and we call them our cultural distinctives. Okay, and, and these cultural distinctions are imperative for us to accomplish our mission here at Trace, which is to leave a trace of God's love everywhere we go. And so Aaron introduced these things to you last week. Uh, there, there are five different things, and I'm kind of a, an interactive teacher, and so I'm going to enlist some audience participation here. Okay, I'm going to read the letter, and then you read the word out loud for me. Okay, ready? T stands for? Okay, you all can do better than that. Okay, here we go. R stands for? A stands for, C stands for, and E stands for empowerment. Okay, as you all can see, uh, these five values actually are embedded in the name of our church as a way of kind of continuing to remind us of how important it is for us. But we, we truly believe that, that these things set at the highest level determining our culture will help us to accomplish the mission that we want to do. Now, Aaron talked to us last week about teachability. This week, I'm going to have a discussion, lead this discussion about the concept of release and accountability. So let's start off with this term, release. Now, in order for me to do this, I skipped ahead there, uh, I'm going to have to enact uh, a couple of visuals, all right? How many, how many people out there do we have that love fishing? we have any fishermen out here? Very quiet fishermen. Okay, but I see some hands. Good. How many, how many of you guys actually like catching fish? Yes, I actually enjoy catching fish more than I enjoy going fishing, right? Uh, now, growing up in Kentucky and being in Arizona, I've kind of been a bass fisherman my whole life. That's how, that's how I've grown up and understood. But, but coming up to Colorado, I've really I've been looking forward to the opportunity of, of trying a new fishing style, fly fishing and, and fishing for something different, trout, okay? Now, so far um, in my fishing up here in Colorado, I've just been fishing, no catching yet, okay? So... In, <laughs> In keeping with Aaron's uh, concept last week in teachability, i got to let you all know, I, my spirit is wide open to any of you seasoned fishermen out there that can teach me how to catch a fish on a fly rod, okay? So look me up afterwards and teach me how to do that. Okay, but here's the deal. Um, recently, um, I have I've grown accustomed and, and fond to, to a certain idea. Now, I love catching and eating fish because fish are good, all right? But I've really appreciated this concept of catching and releasing lately. Okay, this is the idea of catching fish and then throwing them back in the water. And you know why that's, that is? Why I like that is because when I send the fish back in the water, I tell him to go tell his friends so that I can catch more fish. All right? Uh, that doesn't happen, actually. But this is what really happens, okay? When you throw that fish back, it has an opportunity to get bigger and, and to get better and ultimately to bless somebody else later down the line. And that's exactly what happened to me a few weeks before I actually came up here to Colorado. Uh, uh, some buddies of, of mine and myself got to go out on one of the, the local lakes out there. You can see I'm out of here on my kayak, and, and we're going fishing, and, and I hook into this monster fish. Now, in case you all can't see how monster that is, take, take a look at that fish. I mean, that's monster. 
There's no Photoshop here, okay? Um, and so you see this. I got, to, I got to hook into this thing. And in a kayak, it's kind of fun to be able to catch a fish that large. But think with me for a moment. If for some reason that fish had been caught earlier in its life and it was smaller at that time and they decided to keep it and eat it for themselves, I would have been devoid of the opportunity of catching this monster and showing it to you all today, all right? But instead, they threw it back and it got bigger and it blessed me in the process. Now, allow me for a moment to make a spiritual correlation to this idea of fishing, okay? Now, there are many correlations to life when it comes to fishing, but I'm going to keep it down to one. And this is what it is, all right? Most of us probably live most of our lives thinking about how we can retain things. In other words, what we try to do is get as many fish in the boat as we possibly can, and we're afraid to throw them back for fear that we won't have something better or something bigger in the future. But what if, what if we were able to, to switch our mentality from retaining to this idea of being able to release, understanding that it comes with a blessing? And so that's what we're going we're gonna to pivot off of today. We're going to talk about release in reference to this concept of retaining because that is the platform that we need to be able to see to truly understand this idea of release. Now, it is my theological opinion that everything that you have been entrusted with is ultimately meant at some point to be released in your life, okay? Now, uh, think about this with me for a minute. Now, I know that there are some people here in the room and probably some people that are watching this online uh, that you, you are at a totally different spiritual place in your journey with God. Uh, you might be wrestling with the fact that there even is a God and you're certainly not following Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And what you need to know is this. You are welcomed here just as you are with the questions and the doubts and the concerns that you have. This is a safe place to work those things out. Okay, but for those of you all that have come to the conclusion that there is a God and, and that you have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, this is what it means. It means you belong to God. And consequently, if you belong to God, then everything that you have is actually His. And He simply put it on loan to you for His purpose and His benefit. The, the word for this concept is the word steward. Okay? The, the idea of a steward is one who manages the stuff that actually belongs to somebody else. So if, in fact, you belong to Jesus, you've given your life over to Him, then all that you have in your possession actually belongs to Jesus and it's for His purpose. And you know what he tells us to do with it? This is my paraphrase. Okay, I'm going to give you some scripture to back this up here in a minute. But this is what Jesus tells us to do with it. He tells us to, to live open-handed with the stuff that he's put in your possession. Now, you might wonder what I mean by living open-handed. Okay? Uh, what I don't mean is this. I, God is not asking us to take everything that we have and just give it away. Okay? But what he is asking for us to do is to live in such a way that what we have is actually held very loosely so that when he calls for it, when he demands it, we are willing to let that thing go. But most of us live our lives in such a way that, that we live kind of opposite to that. We actually live tight-fisted and we hold on to things for dear life. Isn't that the truth? When, when, we, when you think about it, there are things in our life that, man, we just hold on. It's, it's my money, my resource, right? Uh, it is my stuff, it's my car, my house, my boat. It belongs to me. I'm going to do with it what I want. It's, it's my time. I can manage it or squander it however I want to. It, it's, it's my talents, my capabilities, my accomplishment, my job. Okay? Uh, it's, it's my life. It's my life. I, I can manage this how I want to. Even it's my relationship. 
my, my wife, my kids. Now, here's the deal. Uh, Jesus approaches all of these things. And we're only going to take a look at a couple of scriptures that address a few of these things. But when you look at scripture, you start to see that Jesus over and over again demands of us that we let loose of the things in our life and we hold them lightly. We, we open our hands up to God in such a way that allows him to use those things in the ways that benefit him and his church the best that they can. So let's take a look real quick at Luke 18. And what you're going to see here is that Jesus is having a conversation with a guy. In Scripture, he's referenced as the rich young ruler. And this rich young ruler comes to Jesus and he says, Hey, what do I have to do to, to, to follow you, to, to inherit eternal life? And this is Jesus' response to him. He tells him, he says, Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have the treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Wow, okay, that is a big call for somebody who's saying, hey, I want to follow you, what do I need to do? For this guy, what Jesus said is he said, you're holding on to your stuff way too tightly. And if you want to follow me, if you want to be my disciple, I'm telling you, you've got to start to release that. Because if you don't, it will take hold of you. We'll talk about that here in a minute. Now, here's a case in point, guys. God doesn't demand that we give everything to him or that we sell all that we have and give it to the poor. But sometimes he does. And there are cases and scenarios where that's the case. So you have to ask yourself, am I holding on to my stuff too tightly? Again, in Matthew uh, 10, this is, this is what he says. He says, anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Who, whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. What is Jesus saying here? He's saying those things in your life that are so important to you, that you're holding so tightly to, guys, hold them open-handed. Even, even to the point of, of your own life. Guys, your life is not your own. And most of us are trying to make the most of our life. But you know what Jesus tells us? He says, if you want the life that is truly life, the one that I can offer you, you can't hold it so tightly yourself. Surrender it to me. Live open-handed. And I will give back to you the life that is truly life. That is when you will find it. I don't know if you guys caught this or not, but he's even talking about our relationships. Our father and mother. Um, our son and daughter. And guys, this hits home with me specifically. I, re I remember having a conversation a, a lot like this with my parents um, when my wife and I decided to move out from Cincinnati and go to Arizona. Now, we at the time were willing to just release the relationships that we had had and, and, and we would release the, the, repertoire, uh, the, uh, the rapport that we had and reputation that we had there to be able to go and follow Jesus to Arizona. Um, but I didn't think about this then, and I think about it now because I have kids of my own, but I remember having a conversation with my mom uh, about moving, and now looking back on this, I see what was happening. See, my mom, who loves me and held me real tightly um, for, for years and years, she understood that to be faithful to Jesus meant that she had to hold me open-handed so that she could release me to go be a blessing to other people. Guys, doing this, living open-handed is not easy. Okay, but it is worth it. It is so worth it. And, and this is what Jesus tells us about that. This is, this is how he says it. He says, truly I tell you, Jesus said to them, no one has left home or wife or brother or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive as many times as much in this age and in the age to come. Okay? He's telling us that when we do it, guys, there is a positive result on the other side. 
But, but that's not why we do it. And, and let me tell you why this concept of release is so important to this church and, and, and should be to you. Because when we don't live open-handed, we run the risk of making that thing, whatever that thing happens to be in our life, an idol. Because this is what we know to be true. What you hold on to, what you hold on to ends up holding on to you. That thing that you hold so tightly to ultimately takes a hold of you. It's the case of a good thing. And all those things that I mentioned previously, those are all good things. They're not inherently bad. Okay, but it's a case of that thing, that good thing, taking the place of a God thing. And when that happens, it's never a good thing. It's always a bad thing. And that's actually called idolatry. So if you take a look back at, at some of these, these concepts, all right, uh, we see the contrast between money. Jesus himself says, hey, you can't serve both God and mammon. This thing that you seek after for your security and your significance, if you're holding so tightly to it, it, it will throw you off. It will become your God. Hold loosely to it. Uh, this idea of your possessions, those things that you have in your hand, you're holding so tightly to, but when was the last time God told you, hey, that house that you're living in is actually mine. Use it for my purpose. Maybe you have a room that you're willing to rent out or a car that you're willing to share or maybe even give away. What is God asking you to do in that? Your time. How are you using your time? And how are you actually asking God? Because it's his time that he's put on loan to you. So how are you using that? Are you being a good steward of it? Specifically here with your talents, when we talk about your talents or your accomplishment or your goals, some of us get so consumed with what we have done or accomplished or, or what we're good at that that thing actually starts to define us. It becomes our identity. But here's the deal. When, when that thing no longer exists or it's depleted or we're no longer good at it anymore, then what happens to us? We start floundering around looking for our significance, trying to find what our identity is because we've held so tightly onto that and we've not surrendered it to God so that he can take those talents and gifts and abilities and actually use him or use them for our purpose. Our life we've already talked about, but this one, this particular thing, man, this is where it becomes real to me, guys, okay? I, I love these little tykes, all right? These guys are precious to me. They are mine, right? But, but they're not really mine. You see, they're... They're actually God's before they're mine. See, he's the one that created them. I mean, I was involved in the process. I mean, they're actually biologically mine, okay? But, but he's the one who created them. He's the one who, who knew them before they were born, who knit them in their mother's womb. He's the one who knows the plans uh, that he has for them. He's the one that's going to follow them long after I'm gone. You see, they are his before they are mine. But we are so tempted to hold on so tightly to these kids and even even build our identities as being fathers or mothers based on these kids. Now, how many of us get so easily wrapped up into to their schedules and we make them the priority of our life and our world revolves around them? Guys, we have to be careful as parents not to put our kids or any relationship for that matter in the place that God says is reserved for, him, for himself. And so even with our kids, I will love them, I will cherish them, I will steward them to the very best of my ability but ultimately I have to hold them lightly because eventually they're going to leave my house, right? Or maybe God will call them home to be with them in heaven. And if I'm not holding lightly to them like this and ready to release them when that happens, if I'm holding tight to them and they get ripped out of my hands, I will be devastated. It will leave a scar. So I've got to be able to release them instead. You know, it's funny because I think that somehow we think that the things that we have in our hand are actually better served in our hands instead of God's hands. 
But guys, how foolish is that? Don't you think that, that God is going to be a little bit better steward uh, with the money and better manager of the resources than we could be? Don't you think that he's a better, uh, a, a better parent than we possibly can be? So how about you take that thing and you surrender it to God? Now, this is what I want us to do right here, right now, okay? I don't know which one of these areas uh, is sticking in your mind right now, but you know that that thing is something that you've been holding tight-fisted to for quite some time. And so this is what I want you to do. I want you to, I want you to close your eyes. I promise nobody's going to take your purse or your money, okay? But close your eyes with me for a minute. And, and I want you to visualize that thing, whether it's your money or your stuff or your time or your talents or your life or your relationships. And, and I want you to physically, I want you to reach out with your hand and I want you to grab hold of that thing tightly. So just reach out with your hand. And then I, I want you to turn your hand palm up. And I want you to release it. I want you to open up your hand and surrender that thing to God. Father God, I don't know what it is that's in their mind right now, but you do. You know those things or that thing that's holding on to them that they've been holding on to. And I just pray that you would allow them to release it to you. And in doing so, you will make it better and allow it to bless somebody else. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Here's the cool thing about releasing stuff. Okay, when you let it go, uh, when you actually live open-handed, it actually becomes a blessing to others and to yourself. I mean, that's exactly what Acts chapter 20, verse 35 says. He says, hey, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, okay, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. The fact of the matter is we are actually blessed to be a blessing to others, that's why God gives us blessings in the first place is so that we're actually able to give blessings to others. That he's looking for people who are conduits of his goodness to be able to share that with others. And you know what happens whenever we keep pouring those things out to others? God wants to give us more for himself because he knows that we are going to be good stewards of that and we're going to share those blessings. Many of us that are sitting in here right now or listening to this at home are actually recipients. We're receivers of other people living open-handedly and being the blessing to us. And that's why release is held in such a high regard here at Trace, okay? It's because we understand that concept. Now, we truly, we truly want to listen to and be like Jesus in every way that we possibly can here at Trace. And, and what you're going to find out the more you follow Jesus is that, that he is the most generous person you will ever meet in your life. And because we want to be like him, we want to be generous people too. But in order for that to happen, we have to learn how to release stuff. And so on a, on a weekly basis, what we're going to do is we're going to challenge you and encourage you to, to release some of these things that take hold of you. Specifically, one of the areas would be that money thing. Release that in your tithes and your offerings to be able to surrender that to the Lord so that he's able to take that and use it to be a blessing to others and to help us accomplish the mission that he's given us here at this church. What you'll also find is that we're not nearly as concerned with building a church as we are with building the kingdom of God. And, and because of that, we're not, as, we're not as focused on the numbers of people that are, that are sitting here. We're focused in on how many people are actually embracing the mission that God has given us at Trace. And what that means is that some of you guys will, will, will leave us and you'll be called to go do something else. And you know what's going to happen when that, when that happens here at Trace? We're going to celebrate the fact that you're leaving because you are going to take with you that mission that's embedded with you, and you're going to go leave a trace of God's love everywhere you go. 
And, and that's why this release over retain mentality uh, is so importantly. Because in our context specifically, uh, it, it gives us an opportunity to actually uniquely reach out and, and minister to those who are part of, of the military community around us. Now, uh, it's my understanding that few of any churches here in the area are, are actually building their mission around the military. Uh, we understand that. Okay? Now, they oftentimes care for the military in times of tragedy. It's a wonderful thing. But it's hard to invest in people that you know are eventually going to leave from you and not be able to help stay and accomplish the mission. It's just bad for business. All right? And any organization understands that uh, if you can retain the people that you invest in, you're going to be more likely to accomplish that particular mission. Right? But here's the cool thing about the mission of Trace. It actually tells us that leaving is a part of accomplishing the mission. Not only is, is it a part of our mission, but I think it's a part of being a disciple of Jesus. It's actually part of our mission to leave. And so this is what's going to happen. Uh, those of you all that are in the military or, or those of you that are called to move, you're going to be welcomed here for the time that you are here and invested in. And when it's time to go, we are going to celebrate that you are going to take that mission with you. And, and you know why we're going to celebrate it? Because uh, for those of you who are in the military, the government's going to fund it, all right? So they're going to fund our mission being spread throughout the world. How about it, huh? That's a good thing. Guys, remember, okay, the one thing. A culture will be made here at Trace. Let's own it and create it together. Let's make sure that we don't miss out on this idea of release being a part of that culture that we build. All right, moving on, accountability. We'll talk about this. So hit teachability, hit release. Now we're talking about accountability. Uh, now, why is accountability important to us as a church? Why should it be important to you? Uh, let me just ask you this. Right, do you expect uh, your politician to be accountable, uh, not only to you, but also to the things that they say that they're going to do? Absolutely, we do. That's one of the reasons why we're having such a difficult time with this upcoming election, right? Okay. Um, and do you expect the teachers of your kids uh, to have uh, accountability to, to not only keeping your kids safe, but also teaching them the curriculum that's mandated by the state so that they're able to, to progress to the next level. Absolutely, right? Do you expect your pastor to be accountable to ha properly handling the Word of God and living a life of integrity? Absolutely, right? Do, do you expect the guy building your taco at Taco Bueno to be accountable to putting the right stuff in your taco, right? Yes, you do. So if those things um, you hold important, then it should be ever more important to us as a church and to you personally. Now, unlike the, the first topic that we talked about where the, the word release was probably intriguing to you and you're wanting to see how that value unfolded, you're probably taking a look at accountability right now and, and cringing a little bit, right? Uh, because unfortunately, this, this word uh, has been misused, mishandled, and, and, and not approached in the right way um, over the years. And so what I want to do is I want to talk to you guys about what, what we're not talking about here at Trace when we talk about accountability. First of all, we're not talking about legalism. Uh, we're not talking about punishment. We're not talking about church discipline. We're not talking about lists and reporting on your failures at the end of the week, Okay. But, but I want you to focus on this real quick because this is going to be the platform that we jump off of as we talk about accountability for the rest of the time. And this is what it is. Accountability is not about highlighting your failures. It's about elevating your success. Because when you think about it, accountability is, is enlisting others to help you overcome or achieve that which you cannot do on your own. Okay? Think about this with me for just a moment. The reason that we have accountability or hold people accountable 
is ultimately because we, we want and desire the best result, right? That's why we keep people accountable or hold accountability over people, okay? But they will never be able to do it, no matter what their drive, their determination, uh, their integrity. A person individually can never accomplish on their own what they could accomplish by listing other people in their lives because we all fall short at some point in time. Matter of fact, we've seen a perfect example of this here recently uh, in the Olympics. How many, how many Olympic fans do we have in the audience? Uh, yes, awesome stuff. So good. Uh, matter of fact, I've been staying up way too late caring about stuff that I really don't care about, all right? Um, but you, you watch these uh, Olympic athletes, and they're just, they're just incredible. Incredible athletes accomplishing these amazing Feats. And some of these guys and gals are, are, are preparing themselves for three or four years leading up to these Olympic Games. And, and some of those have been to the Olympics four or five times. You're still talking about like 16 to 20 year stretch of determination and drive uh, trying to accomplish these things that they've set out to accomplish. But here's one thing I can tell you confidently about each and every one of those Olympic athletes. Not a single one of them would be where they're at without being accountable. Okay? Accountable to their dreams, accountable to their family, accountable to their country, and, and maybe most importantly, accountable to a coach. I don't know if you've paid attention to this or not, but, but every single event that I've watched, and I've watched a lot, okay, um, every single one of these events, each Olympian has their own coach. They have somebody that they have shared their dreams and their aspirations with, their desires, and they've enlisted that person to help them get there. And that's what accountability is, is all about, guys, okay? Now, there are lots of things that we cannot accomplish or overcome on our own, and that's why we need to give other people permission to speak into our lives. Matter of fact, last week when Aaron was talking about this idea of teachability, one of the things he said was a teachable spirit, um, they seek out feedback. They actually get other people to speak into their lives. That partners really well with this concept of accountability. Not only do you want to allow people to speak into your life, but you want to allow them to speak into your life and hold you accountable for the things that they've not only seen, but that you've invited them into. And so let me ask you a couple questions. Do you have accountability in place to accomplish the life that you've always wanted? Does anybody, does anybody in your life actually know your dreams and your aspirations? Or, or, or on the flip side of this accountability, and this is probably the thing that's most familiar to you when we talk about accountability, but does anybody currently know what you're dealing with? Do they know the trials that you're going through? Do, do they know the sin struggles that you have? Do, do they know the things that you are processing in your mind? Guys, please, please, please don't miss this and understand this, okay? Isolation is Satan's playground. He wants to separate you from other people, get you thinking that you can do it on your own. And you know what happens in that? We are weakest when we are by ourselves. And so he knows that if he can get you by yourself and not accountable to anybody, that he can either tear you away from God in your sins, or if he can't take your soul, he wants to distract you and make you as, as unproductive in this life as he can possibly make you. And that's what happens when we are by ourselves. Now, the great theologian and my good friend Aaron Pennington said this, all right? He says, not everybody needs to know your blank, uh, but someone does. Now, I thought it'd be more fun to quote him with the blank so that you all can fill in this blank with whatever you thought he said, okay? Um, but here's the deal. Not, not everybody needs to know your stuff. Not, not everybody needs to know your crap. Not, not everybody needs to know your dreams or your aspiration. But somebody, 
Somebody does. God has actually designed us and created us for community. You see, God has promised us a, a personal relationship, but, but he, never, he never designed us for a private one. He has actually called us into community because he knows how we can be if we have other people in our life. That's why he's created the relationships that he has. That's why he's created the church. It is for our benefit to accomplish that which God wants to do in and through us. Now, I am, I'm currently doing some accountability with a friend of mine. Uh, he calls me every night at 5 o'clock, um, and if he doesn't call me by 5.15, I call him. And, and he's, he's given me a list of things that he wants me to ask him in regards to some things. Now, now that list is generated, and, and I don't have to do this accountability, and he doesn't have to. He's not being forced to. But the reason why he's done this is because he knows the kind of man that he desires to be. He knows what outcome he wants to see in this, and so he's enlisted me into this. He's, he's asked me to be a part of it. And that's really the, the, the dual role when it comes to accountability. We have to be willing to share our burden with somebody else and ask for accountability. But as, as a brother's keeper, it's my job then to step in and actually be responsible because accountability is more than just giving a report. It's about bearing the responsibility alongside of other people. On a personal note, guys, my, my greatest fear is that um, in this life I, I will be unproductive. I will either squander the, the gifts and the opportunities that God has given me or I'll get sidetracked in my sins somewhere and I'll miss out on all that God has in store for me and what he wants for me. And because of this, I have several people that I've actually enlisted in my life to help keep me accountable. And it's not because I'm super spiritual. It's because I recognize the frailty of who I am and I also know that I want to make the most out of this life. And so these people that are in my life, um, they check me. On my pride. They question my motives. They challenge my truth telling. They ask me about my eyes and my heart. And you know why they do that? Because I struggle with pride and with lust and with lying and with people pleasing. And I totally just busted the bubble of all you guys out there um, that think that pastors are, are perfect, all right? And, and in, in order to get up here and maybe they'll speak or to have a microphone, that we have to have everything in line. And so you guys can just completely forget everything I said and just keep that mentality in your mind, okay? No, don't. Don't forget what I just said because guess what? That is the type of culture that we want to create. And when we create a culture of accountability, you know what it does? It leads to authenticity, and it leads to transparency. And just being completely transparent, just this week I found myself struggling in one of these particular areas. And instead of trying to, to conquer this thing on my own, you know what I did? I, I picked up my phone in that moment and I, and I texted my, my best friend and my accountability partner. And, and I just let him know what was going on and I asked him for his prayers. I enlisted him in on my struggle because, guys, I don't want to wait to the end of the week to report on how I screwed up. I want people in the moment that know who I, who I can be, um, praying for me to help me get there. And you know what happened? As soon as I sent that text, that thing over me lost its power completely because when you bring those things to light, they lose their power. And that's exactly what James is talking about here uh, when he says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Guys, this isn't about... This isn't about uh, forgiveness. You're forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. This, this is about power. It is, it is about when you enlist other people in your life to keep you accountable, they pray for you and encourage you, then, then you are healed from that thing that is plaguing you. You are able to overcome that thing that you're struggling with because it's brought to light. 
And so if I haven't already made this abundantly clear, allow me to make it clear to you right now. There is power in accountability. The type of power that can help you overcome struggles and the type of power that can help you accomplish great things. And, and here at Trace, we want to tap in to that power. And we want to create a culture where, where we're personally responsible and, and collectively accountable for becoming the men and women that we know that God has created us to be. Because what we're doing here, guys, what we've started is way too important to screw it up on our own. All right, so, so we spent some time together today um, and last week, and we've covered, we've covered three of the five particular elements that we're talking about culture. We talked about, uh, actually, for review purposes, all right, we talked about what's the first thing. It's a T. Teachability, man. You guys are good, all right. R, it stands for? Very good. And A stands for? Accountability. We've hit those three things. Now, we, next week, we're going to carry on this series. We're going to conclude it. Aaron's going to come back, and he's going to talk to us about the last two uh, distinctives that we've held high in our culture. But think about this for a moment and imagine, if we set the environment where when people walked in here, they understood that we were people that were willing to be taught, that we had a teachable spirit, that we were, we were people who were going to celebrate um, releasing things and, and whatever that thing is in our life, we're going to hold it open-handed. And when people leave from here, we're going to celebrate those things. And that we're, we're a people that actually keep each other accountable for the, for the men and women that God has called us to be. Imagine if even with those three things that we created that kind of environment as a church. And we can, okay? Because a culture will be made at Trace. Let's be intentional about it. Let's, let's be smart about it. Let's own it and create it together. Will you pray with me? Father, we just... We thank you for uh, allowing us the privilege of getting to start from the ground up. And we're not having to, to go back and reestablish things. Uh, Lord, we actually have an opportunity in this moment as we get started to create an environment where people love to come and where your mission is accomplished through us. And so, Father, I pray that we wouldn't be slackers, that we wouldn't understand our role involved in this, but that we would set the pace, we would set the tone, that we would be people who are willing to release and willing to be kept accountable, because that's what you've called us to be. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.